Welcome to the Online for Authors podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Palmer. This episode is highlighting Vance Newdor. He's lived a full life. He follows a creed that no matter what your hand finds to do, you should throw yourself at it and enjoy every minute of the experience. According to Vance, don't waste your time with complex personal plans. Get moving and do something. Vance spent eight summers planting trees and in the end he planted half a million of them. He learned to keep moving, plant one at a time, and go on to the next one. The same philosophy saw him create an amazing set of fantasy novels that also total a half a million words. You just keep going one word at a time. His personal core values of community celebration and creativity are guided by his creativity manifesto, and he creates every single day. Vance, nice to meet you. Yeah, good to meet you too, Jennifer. How did you come to learn about Podmatch? I was just looking through various and sundry ones. I had done some interviews and kind of going, who's out there? What are they doing? And uh, this one came up and I thought, oh, that sounds like a really fun one. For most of them, I've just been enjoying uh, meeting new people, talking about stuff with authoring and writing and podcasting. And yeah, it's an interesting world. It's fascinating. Did you stumble into it? Yeah, I mean, okay, let's let's maybe take it a little bit farther back than stumble into it. What I stumbled into was wanting to write a young adult fantasy book in the first place mm. about a, a, in a hospital after uh, going through a surgery to remove tumor on my face and being kind of groggy and sitting there and coming up with this idea and then starting to write it for my kids, writing it for my son, first of all. And then I lost the manuscript, gave it up. And five years later, my daughter found it and had me re-energize it and start again. And so I just, it was this whole long journey of, okay, yeah, let's write that in between doing, of course, a very intense day job. Then hitting the pandemic years and the day job I'm in is in events at that place called the Badlands Amphitheater in Drumheller, Alberta. And of course, our events dried up and I was kind of like a little bored and I, that doesn't sit well. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to look into this podcast thing. So I looked into that, started poking around. And uh, then I went, you know what? These, I've got two volumes of this trilogy done. I'm working on the third one, you know, in my time and when I can. Uh, it doesn't owe me anything. I don't have any agreements anywhere with anybody else. And I thought, well, let's just, uh, let's give this thing away for free. Mm. And that's what I did. I just started... I made a little uh, studio up in my uh, attic space and I just started uh, recording chapters and learning how it worked. And so now I don't know how many I've got out there. I think it's over a hundred episodes out there, about 10 hours worth of listening. And I got the two books out online. Uh, I did a third one as well. It was another little kind of a vanity project that I did as well. So yeah, it's been great fun. Okay. So this one here, this is your book. Now, which one is this? Is this, this the that's first the one? That's number one. That's the hammer. That's the one that okay. uh, I wrote originally started for my son, who was big into the uh, this whole fantasy literature stuff. And I thought, oh, well, I'll see if I can write you one. I used to always read him stories when he was little, uh, you know, and it was always science fiction, Have Space, It Will Travel, Dune, all of those things. And then we'd play Zelda together. And now we do Dungeons and Dragons together with the grandchildren. So we were always kind of into that. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to try to write you one. So I just started and then I'd read him a chapter. Okay. And we'd go down the road. So that was the hammer. And interesting thing, when the hammer first got crafted, uh, there was only one kind of uh, 
protagonist in it, and that was uh, Corvin, and uh, which is a combination of my first and middle names. And okay. I don't have to ask that question now. <laughs> yeah, it's Corvin. Corvin. My second name is Corwin, and my first name is Vance. So I called this guy Corvan, and then from there it morphed into a title and all kinds of things in the story. But um, so when I wrote that, I started writing that for Jaron. Uh, you know, we, we went through it about a year, and then we started playing games more and stuff, and it kind of went into a, a shoebox or I guess a filing box in my in-laws' crawl space because they live in the same house with us. Oh. And uh, my young daughter, Elisa, uh, comes to me one day. Oh, she had been now. She works with me now. She's my artistic director. But nice. at that time, she was probably 12 or so. And she shows up one day with this white binder and she said, what's this? And I said, oh, where did you find that? In grandpa's crawl space. Oh, isn't that funny? She said, uh, uh, I like it. And I said, oh, that's good. She said, are you going to finish it? And I said, well, you know, Jaren kind of lost interest. And so I, she said, well, my birthday's coming up. Will you write me the next chapter? I want to know what's happening next. Right. Okay, that's a cheap birthday present. I can do that. Dusted the thing off, reread it, kind of some flaws, and kind of went, okay, let's fix that. That wrote her a next chapter, and that's you know, so that's in October of the year. And um, she came back after reading the next chapter, and she said, "Well, I like it, but where's the girl?" And I said, "Well, I wrote it for your brother, so it was just Corvin." And she said, "No, there's got to be a girl. I want a girl in the story." And I went. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I said, okay. So I, I took the whole thing apart that fall, and I interjected Kate into the story. And uh, then she said, I, I'd like it, and I'd like some more chapters, and I want them for Christmas. Okay, well, it's nice to have a fan. I got a fan. Woohoo! let's go. You know, somebody wants to read this stuff. So I did that, and, and it actually got me really, my creative juices going. Because then I, I had Kate going and now the interplay between the two. Who is this Kate? Where does she come from? Backstory, all of that. And um, so I gave her those for Christmas. And she just said, I love this. This is great. I want more. She said, when can you have the story done? Mm. And I said, done? Okay. <laughs> you know, I've got a very busy job. I'll try to get this done. She said, by next Christmas, can I have it done? And I said, I'll try. So we just started working, and then I would give her chapters, and she'd critique and and tell me things she liked or didn't like. And and lo and behold, I did get it done by the following Christmas. Uh, the full manuscript was done. But I had a friend who was uh, in magazine publishing, and I just thought, oh, I'm going to let Pat take a take a look at this and just edit it a bit for me because it's probably a little sloppy. And so she did. You know, I paid her. Uh, very small sum of money, just a friend. And uh, she read through and uh, gave it back with some corrections and things I needed to take care of. But she said, why aren't you publishing this? Right. I said, I don't know. I wrote it for my kids. It really wasn't that kind of a thing, a project at the time. Uh, I, I said, I don't know. And she said, you should really look at publishing it. So I sent this uh, prospectus out, various and sundry publishers, got all the rejection letters back and kind of went, eh. That ain't going to go anywhere. So let's just carry on with life. Uh, but then, of course, Elisa said, well, what about book two? When's that one going to be done? Okay. So that's where the medallion came into play. And I had hinted at medallion in, in the opening of the, the hammer. So yeah. medallion came into play. And quite frankly, because uh, now, you know, what's gone by a good six, seven years. And uh, hammer... You know, it was a it was a nice book, but it was more written for a very young 
audience. Now she's getting older, Jaren's older. And so the difference between Hammer and Medallion is quite a significant difference. It's darker. It's much more intense as far as what they're dealing with. They kind of come out of their preteen years and kind of get launched headlong into much more adult themes and decisions and things they have to come to grips with. Our genres go though, does it still fit into the age range of 10 plus? Like it, yeah. would it still be fitting for a 10 year old? Very Even much. Getting into, it's clean, right? Yeah, very, okay. it's a very, yeah, I never, I, I knew right from the beginning that that's the kind of book I wanted to write. Uh, it was, I, I liked it, I likened it back into the golden age of science fiction fantasy, how space, space will travel, uh, fours of the Puma clan, uh, that's Andre Norton, Daybreak 2250, those, which, which were really good books, but they didn't have to go into, uh, you know, what I would say, gratuitous violence and over-sexualization of the whole process. It, it could stay with just this really solid story and almost hearkening back to the days of the, the morality tale. So yeah. for the hammer, it's the hammer is, can this kid actually tell the truth? Because he's so used to telling tall tales and making up fibs and lies. Medallion, however, uh, goes into the fact that in this new world, he discovers a plant that can heighten his awareness and the rest of it. And he ends up becoming addicted. Oh, yeah. I love this. So it's, you know, we've got the description here, an award-winning epic series of young adult fantasy audiobooks, three volumes, um, ages 10 plus and 100% free. The book is read by you, the author, yep. along with stories about the writing of the core series. So for more information, you've got um, a bunch of social channels, but this is actually a podcast called Core Series, the whole, all the books, correct? Correct. And it, it's actually, you have, I believe it's coreseries.com. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Coreseries.com is where people go to, if they like that genre and they want to listen, um, you know, and, and while putting the podcast up, it was great fun. Uh, a lot of good feedback from people would say, oh, I'm waiting for the next chapter, or I'd put out some crazy story of my own life, which has got some pretty bizarre bits to it. And uh, they'd say, oh, I love that one, I love that one, more of that. So, you know, a nice fan base grew out of that, uh, but it did take the full two years of that pandemic time to get it done. And then where I work, we relaunched, and I had to say, okay, I can't finish recording book three right now. I'm going to have to just park this because... I'm going to have to get through this season and uh, we're coming up on the end of that. Then in the winter time, I'll have some time and I, I intend to go back to the scepter, which is the third book. And I love the scepter scepter. I just scepter is just so fantastic. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting the scepter out there because the connections and what happens in all these lives. And then, you know, what did they say in, in one of the funny thing happened on the way to the forum? Uh, Alisa's, asking for Kate to be involved, took off in an entirely different direction to where this society that he ends up in is ruled by patriarchs, but ruled very poorly by patriarchs. And the lead person, I just, he's disgusting. Uh, he's a very, very old man, keeping himself alive indefinitely with using things. It's, it's what he's doing is wrong, but he thinks he's, got it all together and he's so proud and arrogant and all the rest of it but his undoing is going to come from the matriarchs and they started coming up in the story of their own accord and it ends up that 
Corvin, my reluctant hero in the first book, who then becomes an addicted hero in the second book and has to deal with that, fades into obscurity to where he's considered dead by most people in the third book. And these other people who are all female characters rising up and taking their leadership point in that, it all just comes to the top. So it's really fascinating to see all that kind of happening and just kind of creating in and of itself, right? And I'm absolutely yeah. thrilled to actually have a hard copy. So <laughs> a paper book. And I want to just say, you know, inside it does say first edition. So have you done a second edition? Well, you are very fortunate because got one of the first editions right uh, 100 number 100 of 150 and signed yeah. printed in canada yeah i love this this is yeah. well look at your cover because there's of those 150 that's a yeah. unique cover because that kid in the background representing corvin is a friend of mine his name's uh his friend of mine's son jim potter his name his name is ben and we shot that's that so in the studio cool. Okay, let's see if we can get a bit of picture of the the boy. There we go. That's yeah. way better. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah. what? I didn't notice that until you pointed it out. Oh yeah. You you on the on all the later copies after that 150, he's not in those. So. Ah, I sat down and started reading this book and anytime I had a spare moment, I picked it up again and I didn't have very many of them. No. <laughs> I didn't have very many spare moments, but I absolutely, it was engaging, absolutely engaging, thrilling for even for me, never mind 10 plus. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I really would like to read the rest of them, yeah. um, you know, or take in the podcast series. I, more hard copies. You're welcome to send me more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I used to tour around to bookstores. And I would actually, when I was at the bookstores, I have a background in marketing and all the rest of it. So I had a really yeah. nice display. Yeah. There's actually a hammer that I made uh, out of yellow cedar that's coated with 10 coats of black lacquer. And it's a beautiful looking piece. And I'd have that displayed. And people would come by. And it was really kind of fun because that was the Harry Potter days. And uh, the store would tell me afterwards, oh, you outsold Harry Potter today. And I went, whoo yay for me. You know, because people would come by, they'd see the hammer, they'd pick it up, they'd ask questions, and then they'd buy the book. I'm going to tell you a funny story. I have yeah. a check on my desk or on my shelf. Uh, it is uncashed, and it is from the Owl's Nest, the very first sale I ever made of that book. And, and you didn't cash it. No, I couldn't. I looked at it, and I just thought, isn't this cool? I actually just got paid for something I wrote. Well, isn't this fun? And I couldn't cash the check. So I, I still have the owls. And I never will cash it. It's just this permanent little piece. And every once in a while, I'll look at it and I'll go, yeah, that was really fun. So yeah, I know those folks. Yeah, that was really good. And now you could have cashed it and kept it. Yeah, you know? Exactly. So yeah, you could. Back then you couldn't. But I just thought it was, it was so much fun. I just thought, yeah, you know what? You've shared a lot in the way of how the story came about and why and, and how the children are involved, which I think is not necessarily the way a lot of authors go about writing and just your, your sheer enjoyment around it. It just has to be your play. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's that it's that creative. I'm all about, you know, if you're alive uh, and you've got time or whatever, why don't you make something? You know, like I've been on some of these creative creativity podcasts and I just go, yeah, it's it's the it's the stuff of life. Uh, and it yeah. doesn't have to be high end. It's yours. It belongs to you. It's your creativity, whether it's baking a cake or, you know, doing some paste up with your grandkids or whatever it might be. 
Whatever you create, that's yours. You did that. Nobody else in the world could touch your creativity. So why would you let things like, oh, it'll never work, or oh, I can't get published, or whatever actually stop you? You know, it's just, it's, there's no reason to. I remember one, one person that took an interest in my book, and I was just doing the, starting the podcast thing, and she actually hung up on me because, oh. well, she wanted to make some money off the project. And so she wanted to take me under her wing and get it da, 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 through and through. And I said, well, actually, I'm putting it out there as a free podcast. And she said, well, there's no use talking to you, click. And I went, okay, uh, so much for creativity. I mean, <laughs> if it's only about the cash, then uh, yeah, you kind of the creativity can sometimes go out the window. But Yeah, no, it's been interesting. That's the Watch kind it. of person you don't want to have around you. And I know that's one of those questions that you like to answer. And the, yeah. the negative energy there is just not worth it. No, it's not. Because yeah, it's hard enough to create something, uh, and it's hard enough to, you know, put yourself out there. Uh, you know, essentially, here I am, and it and people can start picking it apart like they do with authors in these days, and pick it, things they have written apart, and and I just go, yeah, you know, maybe that's why, uh, in a sense, I I went for the free podcast route because I thought, you know what, if I give this away for free, and you want to critique it. I can basically say, forget it. I don't need to listen to you. You you got a free something. You didn't like it. So what? Don't tell me. Criticism is coming across and it's it's valuable yeah. uh, and you appreciate it and you want to do anything about it. It's, it's choice. It's not like you feel like you have to. Oh, I've worked with some fantastic editors. I, yeah. I, did, put, I did put a lot of money into this project. Uh, there was a, a hefty amount of spending, but it all went into collaborators and editors. And I've, I've got some wonderful people, brilliant people that I would go, wow, you know, you, they find something and go, you know what, that little nuance there, it needs to be brought out a little bit more. That line there, it, it leaves them kind of, it lags. It, and I go, wow, that's really good. And um, yeah, I, I would say on that project, from the very beginning, I've had at least 10 different editors that have worked with me at different points in the project. Uh, one's story development editor and she's incredible. I would, I would love to work with her on a permanent basis, but uh, I tried to get a grant through the Canada council for the arts to, you know, develop this project and was, and I didn't, wasn't successful there. So yeah, it, there, there's people that I really enjoy working with. Uh, her name is Kate Hogan, by the way, it's katehogan.com. If you go onto her website, uh, Kate is spelled C-A-T-E, uh, Hogan, H-O-G-A-N.com. Go to her website. She is fascinating uh, in her background. And I just brilliant, brilliant mind and ability to say, well, Vance, you know, it's this and this. And, and she's done some developmental editing. So the book you have there, the first edition, there are chapters in that book that are not in the next second edition. And there are things that happen in the podcast that weren't in either two. Because, oh, my gosh. Because Kate came along and said, hey, you need to you need to do a little bit of work here or there. She doesn't do the work for me, but she flags it. And then yeah. she critiques it. And I love good critique. When I say I don't care for uh, the critics, the ones that just, you know, uh, point out flaws and faults and rest of it, but don't offer anything in return. But a yes. solid editor that says, Vance, that chapter is not working. It's just, it's bland, it's dead, it's kind of flat. You need to work on that one some more and then get back to me and show me what you've done. So, uh, 
that's that's kind of where Kate came in on this last while, and I thought it was so much fun that because my uh, person in the books, Kate. Uh, K-A-T-E and Kate Hogan. I thought, oh, this is really kind of fun. Let's chase this down. I just stumbled across her somewhere and I went, oh, who is this person? And uh, started up the conversation and, and it started taking off. And quite frankly, I'm when I do publish The Scepter, Kate is amazing. Like the Kate that comes out in in the scepter and the she goes from this shy reluctant broken home messed up things not working well at all trying to help corvin through all of that uh mess of medallion and then in in the scepter boy uh kate and there's a whole bunch of other ones that are just so much fun that just come in little gavin gavin is oh i i just i don't know what to do with gavin he's just so enjoyable and he's a mystery i never tell you where he came from what he's about. He just shows up in these strangest places and he's this ethereal little character that pops up and then he's gone and then he pops up somewhere else. And, um, and I, what I love about him is that I don't know what he's all about and I'm not going to try to find out. I'm not going to create backstory for Gavin because it's just, he's so much fun. So all of these, uh, people and the seven cities. So you're reading the hammer and, You've got one place. It's Kadir, and it's the it's the city. Well, that's not the issue. Medallion. You'll learn there's seven cities in the core, and there's seven medallions, and they're governed by seven medallion holders. And now Kate has one, and there's other ones floating out there in the interplay, trying to collect those as they try to battle the main person that's trying to basically take over the core and destroy it for all intents and purposes. So it just it, it's just been so much fun to morph. Yeah, I've really enjoyed. The, the relationships, right, starting from Pat in day one and then through just a whole list of them who have offered their suggestions and their their feedback from time to time. It's been really, really good. Leo Battista Alberti, 1404-72, said, a person can do all things if they will. And you live and create by that model. When it comes to writing, you, you've created a series of epic-length fantasy novels. That work of art is supported by woodworking, linguistics, Photoshop, InDesign, podcasting, Audible, 3D jewelry design, and other ventures you care to tackle that make your stories worth listening to. So with such a variety of experience and interest, you are a fascinating author to interview and connect with. And you look forward to meeting other podcast hosts. Well, I can attest to that. You are definitely <laughs> fascinating and wonderful to connect with fans. Well, it's it's been such a, I, what I like about this particular outlet, creative outlet, is that it allowed me to do all those things. So cover design, that's mine. That's in design. The fact that you've got a flip book that when you flip the pages, the hammer spins around. Uh, you know, all of that stuff. That's all my layout. Everything in this book uh, and the, uh, I've got some silver ah! jewelry. You didn't notice I that before? No, no. That's just oh. a little, yeah, little hidden breadcrumb there for uh, fascinating. For, okay, well, thank you for telling me. I could bear, you know, my woodworking, and uh, I've done set design for uh, theater before and that sort of thing. So I could just anything I could think of, I could go, huh? I wonder how that would work. And can I 
weave that in. Yeah, I'm quite excited about the medallion, uh, the jewelry um, thing. I was going to use it as a fundraiser to support my work with the developmental ed editor. I'm so intrigued to actually to continue to read the series and find out more about, uh, you know, the evolution and your character development and just see where this all goes. Is there a significance around the number seven and the, why you picked that number for the number of cities? No, it just, uh, I looked at it and I, I'm not, I mean, I have some background in understanding, you know, different uh, significance of primes and all the rest of it. And Corvin himself is quite into the uh, science of things very much. So I just really like seven being this kind of perfect number, indivisible. And as I was uh, shaping up the cities, I just kind of going along and I think I had six and I went, I think I need one more. I need yeah. one more. the end of the river. And the walk, I love the name of the last city because it's Dubok Kholm. Dubok, oh yeah, D-U-B-O-K-K-H-O-L-M, Dubok Kholm. And it's just this really strange place, and I love that city. So that was number seven. And then I just went, that's, yeah, that's as many as I need. Yeah, you there's see the enjoyment. You did just the sheer joy in your world building as you yeah. talk about it. It just comes out on your face. You can just see well, how I, much it gives you. Yeah. Yeah. Really looking forward to finishing the scepter. Uh, it's mostly done. I'd say it's, you know, I forget what that one's going to weigh in at. The, the entire series weighs in at, you know, what is it? Uh, 400,000 words or something. Number three is, is a bit more of a heavyweight. Uh, because it has to come to the resolution. But even as I'm coming down, and I haven't quite finished, I, I write to be surprised. And I'll, I, it's in my podcast that uh, with my background in theater and stage, I create a set, and then I put the actors in there and follow them around. And there has been times where I've been writing late at night, and one of my characters will turn around and they will see something that I had no inkling, I had no plan, and they saw it, and the hair on my arm stood up, and I went, ooh, wow. You know, and, and they, they led me somewhere, or else there was a time when Kate did something, and I hadn't planned it. She said something to Morgan, and it, it wasn't in the script. I hadn't tried to make it go somewhere, but when she said it, I thought, that is Kate. She's coming into her own, and she's saying, no, I'm going there. And I went, okay, I'll take you there. Let's go. Let's see what you do with this. And yeah. it's been the really fun. The characters are just being handed to you. This is yeah, I've enjoyed the conversation so much. If we somebody else wants to get uh, hard copies, in addition to listening to the podcast, um, where would we? How do we connect with you? Where do we go to get them? Uh, I would just say uh, info at coreseries.com. That's the that's my author link there. And quite frankly, yeah, if someone says, sends an email to info at coreseries.com, like I said, I still have some books. If you send me an email with your uh, home address on, uh, you know, if there's 10 or so people that come in, in the next, whenever you publish this, I'll send them a book. I, I love sharing the work. And you, will, you won't get one of yours because there's not very many of yours left. You are, you're special. You got that. I, it was really funny because you would ask for a book. And yeah. I went upstairs and I was pawing around through my desk. I'm thinking, I've got to have something in here. What's in, in this? And it's a big roll top desk. It came out of Dubai. Uh, really beautiful thing. And uh, I pulled out one of these many, many drawers. I pulled out one drawer and here's an envelope. And it's 100 of the, and I thought, what's that doing in there? So I thought, oh, I'm going to send you that one uh, just for the fun of it. 
But uh, the rest and, and so are, I'd ask for a digital copy, but you don't have them. So that's how I got to come up with a hard copy. Yeah, so, and I I had digital copies up on Amazon, and they were like going. It was a dirt cheap cost, and it wasn't um, it wasn't going a whole lot of anywhere. And the other thing was that once I started working with Kate, I just thought, you know what? I don't want digital copies out there. I want to pull this thing back in. I want to work with somebody who can challenge me, and then I want to release those chapters. And the beauty of this, this is I, I, this is what I absolutely love about podcast audiobooks. And I've told other people, this is the way it should be. Because if I'm in chapter 35 of the medallion and I record it, and then I get to chapter 42 and I go, wait a minute, I need to foreshadow that a little bit more. I go back, I ditch the one that was on there, I re-record a new one, and I put it in its place. And it's just a, a small nuance, but it's a nuance I want now in 42. So it's yeah. so fluid and beautiful to have this ability to flow and, and to go along. It's not locked in at all. And, and I think it's, it's a wonderful place. And it's even a wonderful place to interact with podcast uh, listeners who would then say, I'm really intrigued about such and such, you know, what's happening there. And I would go, yeah, I never thought about that, but that's worth thinking about. I think I'm going to weave that in coming up here. And I'm going to answer your question with a story piece. Uh, there's yeah. one person that I actually put their name in the story because nice. they just, it was an interesting question. I thought, you know what? You're going to be in there. You're, you're going to show up as a character here somewhere along the line. So so I, I think a lot of authors could actually, uh, you know, take a tip from you in how playful this can be and how much fun it can be to do yeah. the podcasting series of their book or their book series. And yeah. I, I thank you very much for sharing all of that. And I'll look forward to sending people your way. All right. That'd be great. And uh, listen to uh, the medallion and let me know if you like that one. I mean, if you, if you really need a hard copy, I probably could print something out of that one and just send you a, a draft print. I think it'll be okay. <laughs> Some people don't like uh, some people don't like podcasts and audiobooks. I've had plenty of people tell me, "Yeah, I just don't listen. I don't like if I can't read it myself, either on a screen or a page, I don't do it." So I'm toying with the idea that maybe down the road I might just release those again as eBooks, and uh, you know, now once they've gone through the kind of the process and been a little bit more vetted and uh, you know, honed and sanded, you know. You, more you send them, the more polished they begin and they start looking really beautiful. You know, I'm not your typical author in the sense that, oh, I'm trying to make a living at this. And that's why I can give the books away as a free podcast. Uh, if you get a chance, listen to Medallion, because I do think Medallion's considerably a better book than the, than the Hammer. I mean, as far as taking the story on and the way it's written, I've had no end of fun uh, in my life creating that. Yeah, I definitely want to keep in touch and make sure if it, whatever's going on in your world is definitely something that I, I'm aware of. And when you do the fundraiser for the medallion, I would very much like to be able to share that as well. And I just thank you very much for being a guest of Online for Authors. All right. Well, thank you for having me. It's been really enjoyable. Yeah, it really has. All Thanks, right. You bet. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, like, follow, and share. And we always love reviews. Until next time, thanks for listening. A big thank you to Visibility Pod for taking over the management of our podcast production from creating and uploading podcasts to doing the editing, scheduling the interviews, coordinating with guests, 
creating additional content, managing our social platforms and distribution of our content and Jennifer's guesting and hosting. Thank you. Visibility pod for all your services and management of our podcast. 